the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The title of the message this morning is Paying the Price for the Presence of God. I want you to turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 7, and we're going to be reading it momentarily. Uh, but after you found it, uh, and it's on your bulletin, our text, I'll look up here for a minute. I was traveling with a group of pastors on the way to uh, Tehachapi State Prison many years ago, and we were carpooling, and it's quite a long ways from here to Southern California, so I was um, carpooling with one of these pastors uh, in this group, and uh, we got to talking. He's, a, he's an associate pastor of one of the mega churches in our area, and he's one of those associate pastors over there, and he spilled the beans on, on some of the other megachurch pastors uh, that, that he knew ministered in their church. And um, he spilled the beans. He said, one particular megachurch pastor, if you want to bring him to your church, and this, this pastor was sharing this to me, if you want to bring him to your church, you have to put down a $5,000 deposit, and that doesn't guarantee anything. That 5000 just puts your name in the man's schedule. $5,000. No guarantees. There's no guarantees that he's going to come and preach at the church. And, uh, and then that pastor says if, if, if he does decide to come, he wants his accommodations and his entourage's accommodations paid for. And then they can talk about how much he's going to charge for the speaking fee. Okay. So when he was asked, when I asked him, well, what was his reason for being wanted to be treated like that? And he said, just the mention of my name alone guarantees that you're going to have a full house. The guy forgot that he's called to serve. If that's going to be what a servant looks like, I want to be a servant of God. But that's besides the point. Okay. The question we're going to ask and answer is, how much would you pay to be in the presence of someone important, say a celebrity? How much are you willing to pay to, to be in the presence of that someone whom you deem is important and a powerful presence? Would you pay 5000 to see your pastors? Not in your life. At Living Rock, we pay you to come. What do you think those oranges and those onions are for? Okay? So don't you have to worry about that, but it's still a legitimate question. 
What are you willing to pay for something very special and very important? How much are you willing to pay to see the NFC championship between the winners and the Eagles? There's a price to be paid. I heard the tickets like $600 get you in the door, but doesn't guarantee you a good seat. What are you willing to spend to be in the presence of that special someone? How much are you willing to pay and wait in line to get a table at your favorite restaurant? I can go on and on. But what are we willing to do to be in the presence of that person whose heart we are trying to win? Whatever it is, what matters is where we place a great deal of worth we will pay the price to achieve it. Do you ever wonder why we as people are that way? Why do we ascribe so much worth on something and on someone? Why do we have that tendency? It might surprise you to know that God wired us to be that way. We are all wired to have a longing, to have a propensity or a tendency to pay the price for something or someone we deem to be of great worth. God placed that In each and every person. It's what that great philosopher Bob Dylan says. I got to worship somebody. God placed that in the depths of our souls. And that's called the ability to worship. God has placed that in every person's heart. And he placed that there not for our benefit. But for his benefit. I want you to hear me this morning. You and I, everyone in this room... Every time we pay the price for something that we deem more worthy than God, we violate our purpose for our existence. That's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is not just missing the mark. Sin is actually, and I don't know, I know we we don't want to hear that word too many times in a church or anywhere else, but sin is also ascribing worth to something or someone higher than God. And he placed that longing, he placed that that desire to worship in each and every one of us for his benefit. God created you and I with the ability to worship so that we can focus our affections on him. But because we are tainted again with sin, we have original sin, we often misplace that ability and focus it on something or someone else. Do you do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever struggle with with saying to God, God, you're number one in my life, and yet when you assess your life, you found out that he's number seven. And that's why God never calls us to prioritize him. I want you to know that's that's an important distinction. God never says, put a priority on me. That's not in the Bible. What God is saying to each and every person is, you have to put me in the middle. Worship is central. It's not a priority. It's not a number. The moment we say, God, you're number one, trust me, he'll be number seven or number four or number three. But if we put him at the center of our being, at the center of our lives, and let everything revolve around him, then we're getting closer to a system of worship that we ought to understand. But we're Western people. We live here in the West. We want number one. We want number two. We want number three. We want prioritized things. But the Eastern mindset doesn't look at it that way. The Israelites never looked at God as number one. He's always been at the center. And that's where Jesus sits when we come to him by faith. He sits at the center of our lives. 
God created you and I with the ability to worship so that we can focus that affection on Him. And if you find yourself struggling with that, don't worry. Welcome to the human race. We're fallen people. You know what Paul says in Romans chapter 7? Paul said, the things that I want to do, I do not do. But the very things that I'm supposed to do, I do not. But the very things that I'm not supposed to do, those things I do. Wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this bondage of sin? And then he went on to say, praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord who has redeemed us and have given us a new life through a new and living faith in a new and living birth. Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot experience the presence of God. I cannot experience the presence of God. Doesn't matter how much I pray. A prayer without being born again, being born anew in the kingdom of God matters very little. And we all know that the reason Jesus died on the cross is to offer you and I eternal salvation. He suffered to deal with that sin that causes us to worship someone or something else rather than God. He did that in order to save our souls. Once our soul is saved, we can now be true worshipers of the true and living God. And now our prayers mean something. Only then can our prayers have any value. So Jesus said, I paid the price so that you can accurately focus your worship on me. He paid the price. What about us? What about you and I? You and I have a price to pay too. How are we going to respond to what Jesus did on the cross? How are we going to respond to what he gave for us in order for us to, to, to be accurate worshipers of God and to be in the presence of God? What price do we have to pay to experience the presence of God in our life? Maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't know what it means to be a child of God. You don't know what it means to be saved. Maybe you just assume that because you are a religious person, that you are a good person, that you don't murder your neighbor, that you pay your taxes on time. Maybe you're thinking, when I die, I'm going to heaven. It's not as simple as that. There is a response that our salvation demands. The response of faith. Let me say to you this morning that you, you and I cannot assume anything. You and I have to know and you and I can know that God is present in our life. And maybe you're here this morning, you, you did come to faith in Jesus, but you're not experiencing the presence of God in your life. And that's possible too. And I want you to know this morning that you can grow in your experience of God's presence, in your faith. That you and I can truly experience the presence of God. But there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. Now, the prayer of Nehemiah, which we're about to read, gives us a glimpse of what price we have to pay in order to experience the presence of God. Now, let me say, just say in the outset, prayer is the currency to experience, that we pay to experience the presence of God. Okay, so I want you to, to just have a mental note of that. Now, now this, this prayer of Nehemiah will give us a glimpse of what it means to pray to God, to offer our hearts to God, and God responding with a very real sense of his presence. Now, a little bit of a background. Nehemiah was an Old Testament a statesman, a figure who found favor with, a per, with their Persian captors. This was a time when Israel and Judah were, were divided. You know, the, 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 the nation of Israel was divided. Uh, to, to, the, to the north are, are, the, are Israel, and to the south is Judah. And Nehemiah 
was held in captivity, but he was appointed to be governor of Judah. And God specifically called him to this task in order for him to restore the walls of Jerusalem that was destroyed during the invasion. He was to restore the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, which was the city of God. But when he went there and saw it, he realized that that destruction is rooted into something. It's rooted in their failure of the nation to put God's worship first. So listen to his prayer this morning. Let me read it to you from the NIV. Verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Helakiah, in the month of Kislev, in the 28th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. The ser- your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and the laws you have, your servants, of your servant Moses. Now, that's a powerful prayer. And Nehemiah's prayer gives us some insights on how to petition for God's presence. Remember, when he saw the wall, it was broken down. He had no choice but to go before God and offer his prayer. This, This is a unique prayer because this is a prayer that invokes the presence of God in their situation. Okay, Nehemiah's prayer gives us Several insights on how to petition so that God's presence will be experienced. And we're going to go through this uh, text point by point. I got four things, four insights this morning that I want to lay in our hearts this morning. Number one, the presence of God is experienced through persevering prayer. Persevering prayer. Prayer must persevere. The Bible says Nehemiah prayed for some days. And he also prayed day and night. When he saw the city of God was without walls and its gates was broken down. You see, in ancient times, a city without walls is defenseless against different forces. Enemies, different parameters uh, 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 must be set in order to protect the city. A A city without parameters, without boundaries, will be out of control. Because there's nothing to stop any influences that can come through it, good or bad. Anyone can come in and impact the place for the good or for the bad. So when when Nehemiah saw that the city of God was without walls and that these gates was broken down, he saw right away that the city was so unprotected and it was cluttered with all kinds of things. There was chaos. There were influences all over the place. Some good, some bad. But nevertheless, it has no sovereign ruler. Prayer is the wall that brings the rule of God in our lives. A prayerless life 
is a rulerless life. It's simply impossible to believe that God is present without paying the price of praying to God so that we can experience his presence. I'm not talking about just praying simple prayers, but persevering in our prayers. Persevering so that we can experience the presence of God in our lives, in our very circumstances for the things that we're praying for. What does it mean to persevere in prayer? It means we continue to pray until God responds. And he will respond to our prayers. You know, loved ones, God has this divine hiddenness. Did you ever notice that? That God seems to be hidden from us. You know when that happened? That happened in the garden. Okay? You know, do, do you know why we need to have faith? Because God has this divine hiddenness from us. He's not really hiding from us, but we, it seems like we, we, you know, he is hidden from us. And that's because that's part of the fall. We're tainted with sin. Adam and Eve enjoyed the presence of God daily before they fell. After they fell, they now needed faith. Because God has been hidden. The reality of his presence has been tainted because of sin. And we we still go through that. You know, every single one of us, even though we're Christians, we have blind spots in our hearts. Do you ever wonder why sometimes your mind is clouded? That you can't see God in the situation? Sometimes our hearts are ambivalent because we don't see the presence of God in our situation. God purposely does that in order for us to understand that we need to call on his presence. We need to persevere. Did you know that ever since Adam and Eve fell from the garden, that, that from that moment on, they've been finding their way back to that presence that they enjoyed before the sin? No, we're still going through some of that in our lives. And that's why when we pray, we need to persevere. We have blind spots. Our hearts and our minds are sometimes clouded. So when we do pray, we need persevering prayer as an act of faith. The problem we have is this. You know, when we pray, it's usually because we want something from God. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we expect nothing more and nothing less than an answer from God when we pray. And so our focus is, okay, I'm praying this to God and I don't know what God's heart is. I don't know what's going on in my life, but I do want some answers. Now, the very purpose of praying to us is nothing more than to get an answer. But persevering prayer is not concerned so much about the answer. It's concerned about experiencing the presence of God. That's what true praying, persevering praying is. Okay? Uh, I'm one of those kids... um, I was very close to my mother. I wasn't a mama's boy or anything like that, so don't worry. But I was very close to my mother. And my mother was a very spiritual person. She was a very smart person. Every time she takes me to a place that I'm not familiar with, I tend to get lost, you know. And so I've learned my lesson twice in my life. I got lost in a a market, and I got lost uh, somewhere else. And from that point on, I remember that every time I had to do something, I had to ask my mother to come with me, you know. But my mother was very smart. You know, one time I needed to go to the bathroom, and she pointed me to the bathroom. I said, go there. You can do it on your own. So I did. But you know what I was doing all the time that I was inside that room? I was doing this. Mom! 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 Are you there? Mom! Mom! And I wouldn't stop until she says, 
Yes, I'm here. I was still alone in the room. I was still scared. I was still struggling, but I heard her voice, and that was enough. She wasn't going to wipe my butt. Not in my life, because she knows I can do it. The more important thing is not for my mom to do for me what I want. The important thing for me was that I know that she's there. She's present. And as long as I'm convinced that she's there, I can do all things. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what more the Bible teaches. But we've been programmed to think that when we pray to God, we need to expect an answer. We need to expect a detailed answer. And I want to tell you, loved ones, this morning, as much as I love everybody, I got to tell you this, God doesn't always answer our prayers. Not because he's mean. Not because he doesn't want to bless us. Not because of any of that. But because his presence is more important. The knowledge of his presence is more important than any kind of answer that we get from him. The power in praying does not come from the answer. It comes from the assurance that God is present. The peace that comes from knowing in the inside of us that God is real and that God is there. That's the purpose of persevering prayer. If you have doubts about God's about God, persevere in prayer. Pay the price. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't stop seeking Him. When we seek Him, we will find Him when we seek Him with all of our hearts. That's what the Bible says. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, let me, let me show you this verse. It's about Jesus. It says very simply, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spend the night praying to God. Now, let me read it again because I think, you, you know, you people over here, you get it, but some of the people who didn't get that. A powerful verse. It says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Now, listen, who is Jesus? Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, the second person in the triune God, the second person of the Trinity. He is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Do you think he went to the mountainside to pray and get an answer from God? Not at all. Jesus went to the mountain by himself, persevered in prayer because he wanted to commune with God. He wanted to experience the presence of God. And it only comes through persevering prayer. Again, Luke chapter 22, verse 19. It says, Jesus went out as as usual. This was Jesus' habit. To the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. That was his commandment to his disciples. Verse 41. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond, beyond them, kneeled down and prayed, Father, this is Jesus now praying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, here's a great thing in verse 43. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. 
Was Jesus' prayer answered that night? I mean, Jesus gave it all. He was so troubled in his spirit that he was sweating blood and his tears, the tears that are coming out of his eyes were blood. I mean, this is how intense and how stressed he was. And he was praying to God. He's saying, God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And yet we know the rest of the story, right? Jesus says, but it is not my will, but your will be done. Now, how many of you will say, I praise God that Jesus prayed to be comforted by God rather than by God answering his prayer. If God answered Jesus' prayer, we'll all be going to hell. So when Jesus prayed, he prayed so that he can be comforted with the knowledge of the presence of God. Now, the Apostle Paul, years and years later, wrote this in Philippians chapter 4. He said these words. We're all familiar with this. Look at this. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In verse 7, And God is going to answer every single request that you've given Him. Is that what it says? No, it didn't say that. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There isn't an answer to prayer there, but there is this presence of peace that comes to us when we pray. Does it say that it will simply give us what, what, what the, the answer that we need? Absolutely not. It says that God gives us peace. His presence is more important than the answers to our prayers. God hears our petitions and he will give us what we need. But the purpose of praying is to pay the price to experience the presence of God in a real way. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.